Here we go. You're listening to Rumination Tuesday Law and Gospel on this 11-22-22. That means November the 22nd in the year of our Lord 2022. We're going to be taking a listen and an examination with Mark Smith. I'm Tom Baker with the hymn, Savior of the Nations Come. Savior of the Nations Come, verses 1 and 2. This was originally written in Latin as one of a handful of hymns attributed to Ambrose of Milan, who died in, what, 97, 339-4097. His authorship is attested, and early writers of Latin hymnody would follow what Ambrose was doing. He had a number of verses, and in our hymnal, we have eight of them. The pre-Reformation translation into the vernacular is traceable from the 14th century. Luther's version was written during Advent 1523. In fact, it's called the Advent Hymn Par Excellence, and it has been the traditional Lutheran hymn of the day for Advent. Luther's text is a close rendering of the Latin, and the English version, which we're going to be taking a look at right now, is a translation from Luther's German version. So, Pastor Smith, Savior of the Nations, come. We're into the New Year Advent, and this is considered the great Advent hymn. Yes, this was, uh, as you said, it was written by St. Ambrose of Milan. And, uh, in fact, I, I believe Ambrose was, a, was the mentor of uh, Augustine, St. Augustine. And yes. of course, Luther. Luther was an Augustinian monk, so there's there's that connection right there. It's a beautiful hymn, and boy, has it got some. It's got some great uh, Christological theology in it. I'm excited. I'm 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 anxious to get into it. Yeah, I'm, you know, interested that it's eight verses long. Would you use it for communion, or would you sing the whole item? It, That's exactly uh, what we're doing. We're going to use it as a distribution hymn. Yes. Okay. So you have enough people in distribution that eight verses would last. Oh, yeah. All right. 
Stanza one, please. Savior of the nations, come. Virgin Son, make here your home. Marvel now, O heaven and earth, that the Lord chose such a birth. So, right at the very beginning, we're talking about the virgin son, which is, of course, Mary. Now, there's a lot of pastors who will not sing Christmas hymns until Christmas. What, what's your position on that? I am not that way. In fact, in fact, I'm I'm anxious. I'm, hey, look, we've got some beautiful Advent hymns, and we don't want to uh, we don't want a short shrift uh, Advent and its hymnody. Uh, but I'm one that I like to have the Christmas music right away. I, I've always said I wish KFUO would uh, would uh, broadcast Christmas music even earlier. But uh, you know, there are greater greater minds than mine, and. Uh, but, uh, you know, you mentioned it gets right into the virgin birth. I would say I would say the first four verses have to do with uh, in connection with the, his virgin birth. The incarnation. Yes. Yes. Um, we're having, believe it or not, at the end of last Sunday's worship service, I had a young boy come forward. I always ask people between, well, the worship service and the Bible study if they have any questions. He came up to me and said, I would like to be baptized. And he brought his mother with him. And so we made arrangements for this Sunday to have the baptism. Good. So we've got a baptismal hymn beginning the service, his baptism. Then we have a choir that uses bells for the second hymn, and then, of course, the closing hymn. We have no communion. In fact, I'm going to be doing matins. Uh, how often do you do matins? Uh, you know, I, I haven't done matins for, uh, I'd have to say, I have to confess, we haven't done matins for years, because the, the church I'm serving at now, they want uh, they want communion every Sunday. What I did... When I had matins, I would begin with the matins, but then at the end of the sermon, we would turn to the communion liturgy in one of the other uh, hymnal verses, yes. uh, liturgies, and then take the communion then. So that's one way uh -huh. that it worked really good. You start off with their confession of sins and then into the communion liturgy. And uh, because Mathens has got the Te Deum. Yes, it Boy. is beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. It Te Deum and the Venite. Yes, I, I, I know. Those are wonderful liturgical pieces. So, Savior of the nations, come. Why the word come? Well, because that's what Advent is. Advent is coming. Yes. And right. uh, we, we we reflect upon his coming. Uh, the, this, first sun, this first Sunday, we're reflecting upon his coming uh, humble on a donkey, coming to Jerusalem to suffer and die for us. Uh, he comes to us in word and sacrament. He comes to us uh, as the little babe of Bethlehem. And, of course, he comes at the end of days as our yes. Savior and as our judge. There's quite a bit of coming. Right. No doubt about it. And so we're going to be 
talking about during the Advent. Do you have Advent Wednesday services? Oh, yes. Okay. We sure do. And every every Wednesday. Yeah, three Wednesdays. No, there's four this year. Yeah, that's right. But we're just doing we're just doing three services. Oh. So what are you doing Christmas? We're having we're doing Christmas Eve, of course, uh, Saturday night, and then uh, Christmas uh, Christmas Day, of course, will service of a special service for Holy Communion. That's yes, a Sunday. All four of the congregations I'm serving right now in Central Illinois, they want the fourth Wednesday and Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Okay. So I, I said. <laughs> Do you want, is it okay to have the same sermon Christmas Eve and Christmas Day? And what was their answer? Uh, oh, uh, I don't know. What was your, what was their answer? Your people? No. <laughs> well, you know, we get, we, we, we preachers get a little bit of a break when Christmas falls on uh, Sunday. I think, you know, because then you don't have that additional Sunday service. You've got Christmas Eve and Christmas Day is on Sunday. You know, you, any other any other year, you'd have a third service that you have to prepare. Well, we are because we're doing the fourth Wednesday. Right. Well, good for you. All right. I'll read stanza two. Not by human flesh and blood, by the spirit of your God, of our God, was the word of God made flesh, woman's offspring, pure and fresh. How do we say that in the creed, the Apostles' yeah, Creed? Con conceived by the Holy Spirit. And then? Conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and then, of excellent. course, we get to, right. Yeah, yes. by... Uh, not by human flesh and blood, but by, you know, in other words, it's saying he doesn't have a, a biological, Jesus does not have a biological father, but uh, it was, but he was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the, in the womb of his, of his mother, Mary. Yeah, last week I did a sermon uh, that talked about that Jesus was part of the first creation. Uh, that's Colossians 1. And right. I, it seemed like we were saying, therefore, he was part of creation. And I made the distinction in the sermon to help them between Jesus is the only begotten son, whereas we are what sons? He's, he's eternally begotten, and we are... Uh... We're all descendants of our original parents. Well, Adam what's the word we use instead of begotten? There's I can't two think. kinds I of can't. children you can have. You can have We're a sinners. begotten child or an adopted. Oh, adopted. I see. I, I see what you're driving at. Yeah, of course. We're adopted uh, in our baptism. That's right. Exactly. And I try to explain, most people don't understand what begotten means. If a woman says, this is my only begotten son, people jump to the conclusion that she's saying, this is the only son that was born to me. 
But that's not what begotten means. If a father says, this is my only begotten son, what does he mean? He means he sired that son himself. Yes, flesh of my flesh. Right. And so when we go to the, particularly the Nicene Creed, Jesus is said to be God of God, Lord of Lords, one God of God, what with light of Father. light, yes, right. What one with the Father. One, very God of very God. One, Begotten, not made. What? One, one what? One substance. Oh, one substance with the Father, right. We That's will right. never be begotten children. No. We will always only be adopted, but we will be like Jesus in heaven because we will be sinless as Jesus is. No sins of thought, word, and deed because that's the fulfillment of the promise that was asked by David. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. And so when the Savior of the nations come, that was his purpose, to create within us a clean heart, a right spirit, which we have now, but it will be perfected after Judgment Day. So, I guess you're ready to go to verse 3. I am. Here a maid was found with child, yet remained a virgin mild. In her womb this truth was shown, God was there upon his throne. Now, I, I, I said a, a few minutes ago, I, I'd say the first four verses are all about uh, Christ's conception in the womb of his mother, as well as, as, the, as the virgin birth. Um, you know, it talks yeah, about you, it. You, you made a point you know, some weeks ago that I had not really heard the way you said it, but this verse really says it, that even though he was in the womb of Mary, he was still upon his throne. That's right. What does that say? Yes, I can explain it. Uh, you, even even as, a, as an unborn infant in the womb of his mother, he never ceased to be the mighty God. Yes. He, uh, he never put aside his almighty power, his omniscience. That little infant, unborn infant, was, was still the creator of the universe and uh, never ceased to be God. Uh, that's, that's what Luther is getting at here when he says uh, he's, he's on his throne even, uh, even in it within his mother's womb. Which really, when when you think about it, that is you know, people don't realize that uh, you know they don't they think of that baby as you know he he needed his diapers changed later on of course and uh, but but really he never ceased to be God he simply did not use his almighty power. So you would disagree with that pastor who said you know, it wasn't Lutheran pastor obviously that when he was incarnated he put away his divinity, and regained his divinity when he ascended back into heaven. No, no, that's not true. He never, he, he never ceased to be God, never ceased to be the mighty God. He still had those attributes 
even as an unborn infant. Even though the disciples did not recognize him as God until Thomas said what after the resurrection? My Lord and my God. Exactly. Because I, I'm always surprised. He's on the Sea of Galilee, a big storm. He stands up and stills the storm. And they say, who is this man? You know, they still don't get it, that he's God. Yes, yes. That even the, the wind and the sea obey him. Which and the then Old the Testament same thing teaches. In the, in the fourth verse, look at the fourth verse. Uh, then well, step let, me forth do the, let me do the fourth verse. Okay. That's the next one. Then step forth the Lord of all from his pure and kingly hall, God of God, yet fully man, his he heroic course began. So what's your point on that? Well, he, he, he steps forth from his kingly, from his pure and kingly hall. Wherever he is, it's pure and kingly, even if it's in his mother's womb. You know, wherever Jesus is, uh, he, he steps forth from the Lord of all, from his pure and kingly hall. Uh, I mean, you know, imagine calling uh, the womb and even the birth canal his kingly hall. You see what well, I mean we, by all four verses talking about his conception and birth? Yes. In, in fact, um, we had the baby worshipped by the shepherds, and who else comes and worships him? The wise men. Exactly. And they bring gifts of gold, myrrh, and incense in preparation for his burial also. So they are recognizing the Old Testament teaching, like from Psalm 22, that he will die for the sins of the world and they worship him. And that's why Herod is so angry and kills the babes in Bethlehem where he thinks he's taking care of the child that was born at the time that the wise men saw the star. So this is a great hymn in the first four verses. So go ahead with verse five. Okay, God the Father was his source. Back to God, he ran his course. Into hell, his road went down. Back then to his throne and crown. So here in this verse, I mean, the previous verse, the last line of the previous verse, with his birth, fully man, his heroic course began. And, of course, then it goes back to where was his source. God the Father was his source, but uh, his, his journey... His ministry, his earthly ministry, would uh, would take him to to this earth. Back to God, he ran his course. It, it talks about him first, his coming, and then it, it also talks about he would return to his heavenly Father, but also he would go into hell. Into hell, his road went down. That there, you've got the, his descent into hell, and then back to, back then to his throne and crown. There, I think you've got uh, Revelation 5, where he's uh, received a heaven's high court. 
When does he go back to God? He runs his course. When does that occur? Back to God, he ran his course. That's that's talking about his entire earthly ministry. Don't you think, Tom? It's, no. He comes from God, and then he also returns to God. His his. Uh, oh, no. I, I suppose that would be uh, with his when he says, "Into thy hands I commend my spirit." Exactly. Well okay. said. All right. Yeah, that's when it happens because we know that happens because what promise does he give to the one thief? He says, this very day you'll be with me in paradise. Yes. And that's when he ran his course back to God, even though he was still on his throne. Okay, verse 6. For you are the Father's Son, who in flesh the victory won. By your power, mighty power, make whole all our ills of flesh and soul. Now, what ills do we have of flesh and soul? Well, our our, our sins, yes, as well as uh, as well as our imperfections, and our ills, our our uh, our weaknesses. Uh, you know, it's interesting and, how this verse six it gets to be. It's it's like a prayer. Uh, and we address him personally ourselves. For you are the Father's sons. Uh, suddenly, in that verse, we, we're addressing Christ Himself, and we're giving Him a prayer, a prayer of praise. You, who in flesh the victory won, by your mighty power, we we pray that you would make whole all of our ills of flesh and soul. That's a really good insight you have there that we're beginning with verse six, we are now talking to God specifically. And that continues with verse seven, if you will read that. Yeah, then it goes back, then it goes to Christmas. From the manger, newborn light shines in glory through the night. Darkness there no more resides in this light faith now abides. Now, does that mean that when Jesus was born, put in a stable, that darkness never came during that time? No, I think we're talking here about, uh, the, I mean, I, I suppose it's possible, but I take that to mean the spiritual darkness that, uh, that surrounded, yes. surrounded the world at that time. So why is Jesus, remember there are hundreds of metaphors that God uses to describe our salvation. The metaphor of Jesus being light, what is the significance of that? Well, he is the light of the world. That's right. The light uh, that cannot, cannot be overcome. It, over, it, it overcomes the darkness of death and sin. That's the point, yes. That darkness is the negative, light is the positive. H have you ever gone in any of those caves where there's no light at all? Yes, I have. I went into, uh, uh, let's see, I think it was called Cave of the Winds. It's out in Colorado. And uh, they turned out all the lights for the tourists. Wow. And uh, you could not see your hand in front of your face. It was that dark. And not only will we see our hand, we will see the face of God in the light of heaven. Wow. So... That comes from the manger, 
who is the newborn light, shining in glory through the night of our sin. Darkness with Jesus no longer resides because notice it's not in this light our works abide, in this light faith now abides. Right. A great law and gospel distinction. So why are we standing on the last verse that you can read? That's a doxological verse. It's, it, it talks of it, it gives mention to all three persons of the Godhead. Glory to the Father, sing. Glory to the Son, our King. Glory to the Spirit, be now and through eternity. Yes, eternity. Now, are we not going to live eternally? Absolutely. We, we, we had a beginning with our conception, but our life will have no end. Our life will go on and on and on. Uh, and uh, and it will finally culminate in that new heaven and new earth where it will continue to go throughout all eternity. See, what we have in regard to eternity is what the angels have. Theologically, it's spoken of we are semi-eternal, as you just said, because Christ, the Father, and the Spirit had no beginning. But we have a beginning, but no end. Right. Being in heaven forever. That's right. Now, and so how long is eternity? It's, it's, <laughs> it's eternal. <laughs> it's forever and ever and ever. It never ends. Yes, but and I I'll like tell doing... you what, it'll will be in perfect bliss and happiness at thy right hand or is fullness at joy at thy right hands are pleasures forevermore. I mean that new heaven and new earth it will last for all eternity and there'll be no regrets and uh there'll be no I like boredom. to make an image of eternity. I'll be okay. in a room and I'll take a piece of chalk on a chalkboard and I'll start drawing a line. And then I pretended I draw the line around the room about 10 times. And I say, let's say this is a little bit of the length of eternity. I'll show you now how long you live on earth. And I go back to the blackboard and I take one inch and that's life on earth. The rest of the line is eternity, a part of it. Okay. Thanks so very much. Savior of the nations come. A great Advent hymn talks about Christmas, and we're looking forward to moving into the new church year. I'm Tom Baker. You listen to Mark Smith and his great insights. Join us tomorrow for Proverbs. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.
Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.